Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I want, I want you to look with me at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. And I'm going to, again, like I did this morning, I want to talk to you about something you already know. It's a famous story. You've heard it a thousand times. Your pastor's already preached on it about, probably about a half a dozen times. Um, I'm not presuming to do anything better than anybody else, but I just want to take a fresh look. Is that all right? Okay. Um, we're told there that, that Jesus gets his disciples together because the crowd puts them in a boat, and he says to them, go across to the other side. Okay. So he sent them away, and he went up to a mountain to pray. And then we said, that it, it, the boat was in the middle of the sea, verse 24, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. That's interesting. That's interesting, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> that's an interesting response by people who believe in God, that what they couldn't understand was the ghost. All right, we won't go there. But <clears throat> it's, it's, it's very interesting what Christians actually believe. And when they come to difficult situations, that's when the strangest ideas come out of Christians. And so they're under stress and they think, it's a ghost. ghost. No, ghosts don't exist. Okay. It is a ghost. Uh, and the ghost said to them, uh, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. It's too late. They're terrified. They just said it. They were terrified. They said, you're too late. Okay. You're just too late. We're already absolutely terrified. I mean, be of good cheer. It's me. I could spend an hour on this because Jesus is always talking about himself. And uh, he, he says, you should be of good cheer because of me. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we want to be good cheer because of ourselves, don't we? So I need to go out and have a good time. I'm feeling depressed. You know, I'm afraid. I need to do something. I need to, I need to. But Jesus says, no, it's about me. See, the absolute truth. It's about me. See, you find your lack of fear, your courage, your strength, you'll find your joy, everything else you find in me. You won't find anywhere else, but you will find in me. Right? So he says, don't worry, I'm here. Wow. He keeps on saying that to people. Don't worry, I'm here. I'm here. It's all about him. And it is all about him. What Jesus wants you to do, stop thinking about yourself. That's not encouraging at all. Stop thinking about your circumstance. Start thinking about him. And uh, Peter answered him and said the most stupid thing in the Bible. Lord, it is, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That's dumb. Uh, you've read it too many times, but that is dumb. How many of you would actually have even let that thought into your mind? It is such a crazy idea. You wouldn't even contemplate it for a fraction of a second. People don't think like this. Not normal, sane people. I want to get out of this boat. I mean, you know, when you're looking off a building, how many of you actually want to jump off and fly? Uh, And this is the same sort of thing. Like, whoa, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be doing this, okay? So Jesus said to him, come. Well, actually, he said, it is a single word, this word, come. 
But actually what he's saying is, well, get on with it. Hurry up. Move. Come on. See, again, let's think about it. He says to Jesus, you're walking on the water. So I want to walk on the water. If you walk on the water, you can enable me to walk on the water. I, there's a lot of subtext here. I can't do this, but since you can, you can enable me to do what I can't do. So I'm going to ask you for your permission to do what I can't do with your strength and your help because you can enable me to do what I can't do. Do you know what Jesus said when he said, cheer up, I'm here. I'm here, you can do what you couldn't do before I came. I'm here, you now got something you never had before. I'm here, now you've got all you ever need to fix this problem and sort this out. I'm here. Because I'm here. It's all about me, Jesus says. Peter got it. He's the only one who did. Right out then, where we can go even further than you calming a storm, we can have some fun. I can walk on water. Now, I don't know how he got there in his twisted brain. I mean, that just... Uh, unnatural but he does ask for permission and he and the response he got was yes and come on then you see when when we when we truly know Jesus and we understand that it's him that we need and his presence makes a difference and that he is the one that, that, that will do it all for us and that he is the one that will give us the ability and power to do what we couldn't do in ourselves. When we understand that, we should have great dreams and vision. We should achieve what was previously impossible, unthinkable. Because now the one who can make it possible, who can do the impossible, is there. But first we need his permission. Yeah? Whatever you do, don't get out of that boat without permission. Just because he can, doesn't mean that you can. Or should. Yeah? Faith requires permission even in our in our everyday life we it's not enough just to say i believe i'm going to do this because i believe faith is useless it achieves on its own nothing at all because faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen but it doesn't produce the reality I know you're all screaming out saying, that's not true, that's not true. Yes, it is. This is. This is. Listen, when Jesus said to the woman, your faith has made you whole, what he didn't mean was that faith has got the power to heal you. No, he never said that. That would be faith healing. We don't believe in faith healing. In faith healing, you don't need God. You just need faith. What we believe in is divine healing. The woman had faith in Jesus. And because she had faith in him, Jesus healed her. He is saying, your faith in me has caused me to respond to your faith. You are now made whole because I responded to your faith. Faith doesn't heal. Faith doesn't do anything unless God responds. So you can have faith in whatever you like. But if God doesn't respond to it, nothing's going to happen. 
And the problem we face in church life is people just deciding what they're going to have faith in. Oh, I'm going to believe for that. Oh, I'm going to believe for that. Oh, I'm going to believe for a better, bigger car. I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to believe for this. Most of the time, nothing ever happens. Do you know why? They don't ask for permission. Faith only works when it works according to the permission of God. And that permission is written into the word of God. And that's why if you're going to have faith, you better have faith in what the word promises that you can have. Isn't that right? You have faith in what the word promises. So in the same chapter that says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen in Hebrews chapter 11, in that same chapter, it talks about the promises of God. And it talks about promise becoming a reality for the men of faith in that chapter. But they needed the promise. So faith attaches itself to a permission, a promise, and then it can become a reality. That's what Peter's doing here. He says, ooh, I could, but I need your permission. And Jesus says, come on, do it. And the wonderful thing about that, come on, is that God actually wants you to believe for greater things. He encourages faith. He encourages vision. He encourages you to seek to excel. He, he doesn't say, who do you think you are? Stay in that boat. But I'm the guy that walks on the water around here, not you. I'm not sharing that with any peanut like you. Who do you think you are? No, he says, come on, you want to do it? Yeah, go for your dreams, man. Stretch out, go for it. He has permission. And of course, it all comes apart. He actually got out of the boat. Please never forget about this because we always think about Peter sinking down the water and all the bad stuff happening. But wait a minute. He actually got out of the boat. There were 11 other guys who never did. I, I wish preachers would preach about the 11 guys who did nothing when Jesus turned up and says, I'm here. It's okay. You can do whatever you like. I'll give you the power to succeed and bless you. And Peter was the only one that realized what was going on and says, okay, I'm here. Let's do something. And the others just sat in the back. <laughs> Peter's my hero for getting out of that boat. He's crazy, but he's my hero. So for the rest of their lives, the 11 blokes in the boat, they never understood what it was like for Peter to walk on water. Do you want to know why Peter became a significant leader of the early church? Do you want to know why Jesus said to him, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church? Because he'd already experienced things nobody else could experience. He knew stuff others didn't know because he was willing to step out when others wanted to stay in a boat. Anyway, he's sinking in the water, and the Bible says, and this is a real encouragement for me because um, it says, verse 30, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, there's three words in this prayer, and they work. Isn't that amazing? We sometimes want to know, how do we get answered prayer? Oh, well, you have to do this and you have to do this. And use 12 ways to get your prayers answered. Now, listen. Help works. It's a great prayer. I can tell you I know that one works from personal experience. It doesn't require anything elaborate for God to answer your prayer. Okay? But he calls out, help me. Now, what's happening is he's sinking in into the water right and Jesus comes across notice what happens now it's it's really interesting and immediately do you notice that immediately again he doesn't say right oh smarty 
Let's see what happens. Let him go down once. Here he comes. He's coming up again. Okay, let him go down twice. Oh, hey, hey, let him go down a third time. Oh, we better get him this time. He's not coming up. No, he doesn't do anything cruel. As soon as he calls, he gets an answer. He calls sooner, he will get an answer sooner. Yeah? It's instantaneous. God instantaneously is ready to help you if you will believe. The reason some of us don't have answers is we take too long to ask. We want to go to the chemist first, the doctor first. They want to go to the, you know, chiropractor first. We want to go to the counselor first. We want to go to ask, phone a friend first, you know. And eventually, when we run out, we ask. By that time, we're up to here. Ask first. Comes quicker. Comes quicker. Now, okay. Then Jesus said, this is what I want to get to. This, I'm going to actually preach now for the next 35 seconds or so. Okay? This is it. Right? This is the reason for me being here. Uh, and he, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him immediately, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Ever since I was a boy in church, I've heard it preached that Jesus rebuked him, but it doesn't say he was rebuked. Just that Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? But we read it as a rebuke. I have serious problems that Jesus is rebuking him. I think he's more like having fun. Jesus did tell lots of jokes, but we don't get them because of the change of context and language and culture. He told lots of jokes. He said, how come some of you trying to help somebody else with a little speck in their eye when you're carrying a six-foot plank out of your own? That, I think, is a humorous way of looking at things. Anyway, so he says, why did you doubt? You have little faith. And, and I've been taught, see, Peter's faith was very little. And that's why Jesus rebuked him, because he should have had more faith. Well, hang on. This is the same Jesus that said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So Jesus didn't have problems with you having little faith. Yeah? So how can that work? How can somebody move a mountain with little faith and then get told off for having little faith because there wasn't enough to get him through the storm? So, in the next chapter, there's a woman that comes to Jesus for the healing of her daughter. You know the story very well, right? She comes to see, she's my daughter. And Jesus goes and he has a little bit of a to and fro with her. And uh, he's having a little bit of fun. And have a to and fro. And in the event, she says, in the end, she says, look, even the dogs can eat the crumbs off the floor. And Jesus turns to her and says, Woman, you have great faith. Not, uh, 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 nah. Nah, come on. You've got to be joking. The woman's sitting in a nice comfortable lounge room. She may be sitting on the floor. There's no storm. There's no waves. There's no rain. It's not freezing cold. It's not the early hours of the morning. She's having a debate with Jesus. And he says, oh, you've got great faith. And the guy steps out the boat in the middle of the storm with the thunder and lightning. He's got little faith. Now, now, now. Does not compute. Huh? We can't. We, we, we misunderstand the Bible when we think faith can be little and faith can be big. It can't. The Bible says, to each of us has been given the measure of faith. 
let me say this to you. You've all got the same faith. You say, he's got more faith than me. That's rubbish. Where'd you ever get that stupid idea from? It's not even in your Bible. How do you measure more faith or little faith? We see we have it in terms of a, a quantity idea. Rubbish. What is actually happening? Notice what happened with the woman. Jesus said, ah, oh, you know, I have come only for the house of Israel. She says, oh, but. And then he says, oh, no, no. Oh, but. Oh, no, no. Oh, but. Oh, but. In other words, the woman kept persisting and persisting and persisting. Peter, on the other hand, as soon as he got afraid, that was it. It was all over. What Jesus is not saying is one person had a greater quantity of faith than the other. What he is saying is, you did not continue to exercise your faith. If you'd continued to believe, you would have had great, long, working, persistent faith. See, the secret of faith is not that you get more faith than somebody else. The secret of faith is you keep on believing. That is great faith. Great faith doesn't stop believing. Little faith quits at the first opposition or the first setback or the first difficulty. Little faith says, I give up. Help me. You know, I'm a Christian. Get me out of here. And that's not the way God wants it to be. He wants faith to be enduring. Great faith endures. It persists. It continues and continues. It's persistent. It's relentless. It overcomes problems. It argues. It disputes. It just keeps on going. I'm going to keep on. Devil, I won't give up. No, I won't be discouraged. I'm going to keep on believing. That is great faith. Peter wasn't rebuked because he didn't have enough faith. Jesus is looking at him saying, Oh man, if you had just kept on believing, we could have had a party out here. We could have walked all the way back to the shore. We could have had fun. Yeah? But you didn't give it enough persistence. You want to see something happen? Don't believe for a moment. Persist until you have a breakthrough. Amen? Persist until you have a breakthrough. The consistent character, quality of faith in the Bible that works is a persistent faith that keeps on believing. Just keep on believing. Just don't stop believing. Just keep on believing. Keep on believing and keep on believing and God will bring you through. Amen. So tonight maybe, because the the metaphor is pretty simple to understand with this man in a storm that life presents us with many storms and difficulties and troubles and they come upon us sometimes when we least expect them and we can be in dark times and difficult times, but Jesus is there. When Jesus is there, you can do with him what you couldn't do without him and you can do stuff that you're not normally able to do, but you need to believe and keep on believing even in the middle of the storm keep on believing and I want to say to you right now that some of you just need to go back and take a hold of faith again some of you need to go back and pick up that dream that you dropped because it didn't come to pass when you told God was it was due to come to pass and we have a terrible way of doing things we set goals and we set targets and we expect God to fulfill them 
We say, God, by Christmas, I want this. God, in three weeks, I want that. I'm going to resign my job. I need another one in two weeks' time. God, you have a serious problem when you set God a timeline. He doesn't have a calendar or a clock. He never wears a watch. In fact, God created time and lives outside of it. He's not in your world. Not subject to time. Not a servant of it like you are. We do time management courses, which is a joke because you can't manage time. Try it. Try managing the next 60 seconds and see if you can actually make it 65 or 55. You can't manage it. It will be 60 seconds no matter what you try to do. We are the slaves of time. Good God created it and is outside of it. And as far as God's concerned, this day is not a day of the week called Sunday, nor is it the whatever it is of March. It doesn't have a moment because he lives in, the, in eternity. And this is a moment in eternity. So don't set him a calendar date. Let him do it on his schedule and keep believing till he does. Go back and pick up those dreams and those cast off desires and those things that you thought were the will of God. Go back and pick them up again and cherish them and keep on believing and they will certainly come to pass. But if you had faith so short that you gave up so quick, that's why you haven't achieved what God has intended you to have. Have great faith. Have persistent faith. Enduring faith. Faith that has some strength. Faith that has some guts. Faith that won't give up. Faith that just holds on and say, I will not let go until you bless me. Faith that says, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. That's real biblical faith. It says, no. I'm not going to let go. You can tell me to shut up and I'm going to cry out to him louder and louder. You can tell me get away from here, but I'm going to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. I will not be deterred. That's faith. That's what we need to have. Not this namby-pamby, weak little thing that we think is just, oh, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be, that is useless. You do believe. That's the same way you believe in Santa Claus, the tooth fairy, flying saucers, and all sorts of stuff. That's garbage. Persistent faith is better than that. It's real, gutsy, determined, never letting go. Amen? Never letting go. Faith doesn't say, I gave it a go, it didn't work, so I give up. Faith doesn't say I've been sick for a month. Nothing's happened. God doesn't answer prayer. No, faith doesn't do that. Faith keeps believing, keeps believing, keeps believing. Eh? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. If you acknowledge him in all your ways, then he will direct you in all your paths. Amen. Trust in the Lord. Have faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being in this place tonight. We've realized your presence in the worship and we thank you for remaining here with us right now. We, we receive, Father, from you right now sense of permission to be men and women of faith. 
we receive from you right now permission to reach out and believe for great things. We believe that you are here right now. And we need not fear. Because with you here, we can believe for things that are greater than what we can accomplish in our own strength and ability. That we can persist and see breakthroughs that we would never be able to achieve on our own. You are here. You are the one we need. We focus upon you, your greatness, your power, your majesty. We thank you for it. We reestablish our faith in you tonight. We take back the things the enemy has stolen from us. Our dreams, our visions, our desires. We take it back again. We pick up, Lord, our passion to believe for great things. We pick up, Lord, our desire to believe for the miraculous. We pick it up again. We believe that the supernatural will be accomplished in our life. We believe that we can break through. We believe that we can be victorious. We believe you will open the fountains of heaven. We believe you will pour out your blessing upon us. We believe there is freedom for us. We believe, Father. And we continue to believe until we receive breakthrough in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Now, if that's for you, I want you to give me a wave. Come on, give me a wave. If that's for you, you're going to be believing like that. That's it. Go home, believe it, and it'll happen. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com, or download our app online, and have a great week.